Loaded sport. Does he sit second, man? No, I don't I think he does. I think Kevin Keegan probably sits second. Oh, God, <laughs> what a scandal. Austin Eckler versus the cards. Go and fuck the lot of you. <laughs> Tom Naylor's going to be the nailed on holding midfielder, so it's just too good. Unbelievable. Hello, and welcome to episode 75 of Loaded Sport. For our viewers on YouTube, you will see that there's only three of us tonight. Tom Kemp has got some uh, other priorities to be uh, taking care of this evening and this week, which means it's just me. Sam and Aggie. So before we get stuck in, we are one question down, which should make for a shorter episode because I'll not quote what Sam said before the uh, before we hit record, but it should be a bit of a shorter one this week. So Sam, first of all, mate, I'll bring you in. First of all, how are you? And I'm going to stick with the uh, with the question that I brought in last week, which is what has been the highlight uh, between recordings. Oh yeah, I'm uh, I'm all good, mate. I'll say it. Just saying, a boy Kempy likes to waffle, don't he? Bless him. So it should be a should be a, definitely a shorter episode, but uh, we will definitely miss him and look forward to having him back next week. I believe when we're potentially covering you. So yeah, all uh, good, week mate. Week after, mate. I'm here week next after. week. It's the week two got weeks, you. so we're all good. Got you, got you, got you. Uh, yeah, all good, mate. Um, good uh, good start to November at work. Uh, putting in the hours, got a nice little early finish today, so I've completely just gone back on what I just said there. Putting in the hours, but yeah, it's uh, it's been a good start to the month, the month, as uh, as Aggie would say. How are, you, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Thank you a- again. Once we hit record, I know it's Thursday evening, we're almost at the weekend, so uh, so yeah, all good. But again, what's been the highlight of your time between recordings? Yeah, you need to stop dropping this one on me. Uh, highlight, highlight. What did I do last weekend? I don't even think I did anything. I think highlight would have to be probably going swimming. I think um, I can't say watching Packers because we're shit. Um, Derby, you were shit at weekend. Decent result midweek, so that's uh, that's something to cheer about. But yeah, probably just going, probably going swimming. Fuck me, that's depressing, isn't it? That <laughs> that's all shake, right. shake things up a bit there. If you enjoyed it, mate, that's all that matters, isn't it? Suppose so, suppose so. And uh, Flash Score's hottest new signing, of Ooh. course, the man completing the trio tonight. He sent me a message earlier saying, first fucking paycheck had dropped and he were loving life. Oh. So, uh, yeah, yeah, look at smile on his face, he knows. But Aggie, how are you, mate? And what's been the highlight of your time between recordings? I'm good, thank you. Um, it's very close to saying that obviously receiving my first paycheck is going to be up there. But I think the highlight for me between recordings is on Tuesday I went to pick up uh, for the first time in what must be at least a decade a bicycle for myself so I've started going cycling a little bit more um Eleanor got it me as like an early Christmas present so it gets me from A to B a lot quicker as well going to start cycling to work a bit more save money on bus fare and fuel when I need lifts about so yeah should be good but yeah that's my highlight I mean that might have been a good week broke up about one o'clock on Tuesday for the week so I had a nice chilled one at home just being able to do nothing kids obviously on uh, school holidays, so they've been there and irritating as they ever are. But other than that, been quite nice. Yeah, thank you. What's your highlight been? You know what? Before Sorry. Dawson jumps in, because the absolute disrespect of me, by the way, saying that I've not really done anything. Saturday, oh, no. I went to well, work. Oh, I went no. to kick his workmates. I went to kick his workmates, didn't I? I went, oh, I went around shit house. It must have been. No, they were, they were they were unreal to be fair. But uh, now I went round there, watched uh, watched Fury dubiously uh, beat Nagano. So I had a, had a really good Saturday night to be fair. I had a bit had a can. First time I've drank since went to Skeg. So yeah, I had actually a really good Saturday night to be fair. But I completely forgot about that. So my bad. Awkward. Hopefully, uh, did they watch the show? Do you know or listen? Like, no, I don't, I don't think so. I don't okay. think so. 
one maybe, of the maybe, one of the many. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe not send him the link to say, "Oh, this is the podcast." Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe save it for next week. But uh, Aggie, to answer your question, mate, highlight of mine between recordings. Um, I will go with Sunday. Nice chill day. Didn't leave the house. One of them locked doors days that you don't even look out the window. Um, and did a, a beef dinner to uh, to watch, uh, to enjoy and celebrate alongside the uh, the once a year five o'clock start for for the NFL and red zone. It was bloody lovely. So uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go with Sunday just as a as a day being my highlight of the week, which was good. Five o'clock red zone lads weren't bad, was it? Mate. I mean, I don't know. I watched Green Bay at five, so that's why <laughs> that's why I couldn't even get hyped for it. But uh, what was nice was after the Green Bay game had done. I got to enjoy the entirety of Red Zone and I was done for half 11 and that was unbelievable for me on a Sunday. Normally I'm not getting sleep till at least one so yeah. I managed to get sleep about 12-ish so that, that was nice. It's, we've, got to, we've got to start campaigning boys to bring it to UK full time 5pm. We're not asking for much is it? It's only an hour. Come on. They can do yeah. that I'm sure. Surely, mate. Sure, unless we just put our we never put our clocks back. So when I don't know how to work, I'll probably mess things up if one of us does and the other doesn't. But, uh, yeah, turn into uh, work at 10, 10 a.m. every day. It's like what? What's your fucking problem? It's only an hour. Who cares? But yeah, that would be nice. But anyway, lads, let's get stuck into episode seventy-five. Obviously, again, without Kent being here, it's just the three questions this week, um, and I've spun the wheel. And lads, I'm first, so I'm opening up the show. Um, this week. So I did originally have a question prepped, but then Kemp earlier on today said that he might not be able to make it and then made a decision that probably going to be too much for a mess about with time. So he'd give us notice that he wouldn't be here. So I thought I'm going to save my question because it is a question that I'd like to get his insight on. So we'll save that for next week. So my question this week is if you could go to dinner with three sports people, dead or alive, who would it be or who would you go with and why? And Aggie, I'm going to come to you first, mate, to open up episode 75. Mate, this has been a very difficult question for me to answer. I've looked at your typical, you know, Chesterfield options, Jack Lester, and oh Marcus, those sort of people that, you know, but I thought, you know, I've interviewed Jack Lester, I've played football with Ernie Moss, so them kind of things can just be pushed to one side. And I think the first one I'm going to go for is Michael Owen. Somebody who I idolised growing up. What era? What era? Michael Owen? Is he fifteen or <laughs> under fifteens? And people looking over a bit shifty, like so. It's like right over there. I uh, I knew well, somebody him on this finishing. <laughs> uh, yeah, I knew somebody would say something, but no, Michael Owen was an idol growing up. You know, he was that um, small, quick striker, and I wasn't very tall myself. And a lot, I was kind of like you weren't quick. People either. were taking the. I went well, where when I was then that age, but. Um, growing up, people would take the piss out of my height, that sort of stuff. And I was like, you know what, Michael Owens, you know, he's this great striker for Liverpool, playing well for England. So uh, he'd be the first one. I've tried to be a bit different and go across three different sports with this. Okay. Uh, so my second one is going to be my favourite ever Formula One driver. And I'm going to go with Jensen Button. Um, the comeback king, as they called him when he won his championship with Braun, raced a lot with McLaren, normally a number two driver, but obviously won the championship, I think it was in 2010, uh, with Rubens Barrichello. Um, all I've seen of him when he's off track in interviews, when he's presenting stuff for Sky Sports F1, he's a very charismatic bloke and I think he'd be great to have him along the dinner table. And of course, you can talk about the many years that he's had within the sport. And the final one is going to be Richard Sherman. From, um, of course, the NFL. Um, I thought I need somebody that's going to be. He's bringing about... the. He's bringing the fucking fire, mate. He's bringing he is, the mate. fire. <laughs> he is. Imagine just sitting there and observing a conversation between him and Jensen Button. It'd just be mind blowing. But I yeah, thought about... Richard Sherman screaming in Jensen Button's face <laughs> that he's actually the comeback king. <laughs> 
it'd just be I, I thought of different NFL players because I tried to go across different sports and I thought you know Lynch was there I thought about Marshawn Lynch for a while but I thought I'd go Lynch Richard I'd Sherman. go Lynch yeah. just go out for a bag of Skittles at the park yeah. or something he's unreal be a cheap dinner for me to pay for wouldn't it just with skills yeah. but yeah um i did opt to go with uh with sherman just because he is mr charisma himself isn't he so okay so that's fair very surprised simon i don't know if you'll feel the same when uh, when i say it and i know it's sports people so would you know did you think of this but uh, i thought you might have tried to uh squeeze yeah john motson in there so, see Motsen. john motson i have got written down but I've also got a question mark next to it because you said sports people and I thought he was a broadcaster, no, so I didn't know if no, you'd include him. No. Sports world, isn't it? He's in the world of sport, mate. He's in the world that's of sport. that's the case, then, I will drop my clone and I'll put John Watson in there. Oh, well done, God. mate. He's 13. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. So, uh, fair. So, you've got John Watson, who, you know, you're going to learn from. You've got Richard Sherman, who's, you know, sort of the vibe of the party and that intensity, I suppose. Um, and then Jensen Button, who probably the laid back, more of the laid back analytical of the characters. What do you think that you could learn or what what would you want to gain from that experience of being sat with those three people? I think with John Motson, it'd be learning, obviously, the broadcasting aspect of things. With Jensen Button and Richard Sherman, it'd just be being within them sort of characters, wasn't it? Them sort of personas that they both have. Like you said, Jensen Button is very relaxed. Richard Sherman, he's for me, he was, when I, I started watching and I saw clips of, you know, when he was part of the Legion of Boom the first time around when we obviously won the Super Bowl. For me, he was very full of himself. He was very egotistical, but he was also one of those people that would back it up on the pitch as well. So for me, sitting in amongst that sort of character with somebody that, you know, has always been a number two driver, always been overlooked and then won the championship himself, to me, having those two characters alongside each other would be just entertaining to watch itself. That's fair, mate. And my final question before we move on to Samu, who I'd like to answer next, is where would you go mm. for Ooh. this meal? Mm. I wish I'd been asked this before. Um, you should know, obviously, if there was only one follow-up question I was going to ask, surely it's going to be that one. No, I, I thought, you'd go, what, what are you having for tea or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> what are you having for tea with them? I don't know, mate. Just, I don't know. I've Tesco not really thought Cafe. of that. Where are you going? Yeah. Where are you going? I don't know. We'll go to the United States because I like to go to United. I like to go to America. It's quite vague. It's quite vague. Yeah. <laughs> it's a big place, mate. There's well, you told places. me, you told me a food place in America. I don't really know any. Buffalo Wild Wings. <laughs> there we go. Let's go there. You won't fucking eat wings because you don't like chicken on the bone. Oh, like, you don't sit God. there crying. They do, they do other things. I'll have boneless. I'll, have, I'll just eat the chips. It's fine. Uh, yeah, I'm sure they'll do chips. There we go. So you're going to Buffalo Wild Wings with John Matson, uh, Richard Sherman and Jensen Bunn. Sounds like an half-decent night. Sam, who's your three, mate? My three, right. I was uh, giving this some thought. And I have gone from quite a lot of different trios for different reasons. And I think the trio I've landed on would be Sir Alex Ferguson, Roy Keane, and Peter Schmeichel. Oh, Schmeichel's a bit like, oh, that's tasty. That talk, talk to me, break it down. Don't like each other, do Keane and Schmeichel don't like <laughs> okay. each other. They so, do not... so you're going to the cinema for popcorn. Sat there, sat there. Fireworks are ready. Get there with Bucket. They don't like each other. And I think they've kind of built a bit of a bridge since they've both retired. Like They're kind of amicable, but you can still t tell they don't quite like each other. Um, yeah, I think... Uh, they went United was away somewhere and essentially there'd been a bit of friction between Roy Keane and, and Schmeichel for a while. I think what it was actually was Keane had been out injured 
for a long time and Schmeichel had got the captaincy while he was off and Keane come back in the side obviously to regain the captain's armband and Schmeichel just wasn't happy about it at all um, which you know it's bad on him really because that's his captain he's going to get it but he should know he's not he's not going to keep the band um, and it come to a head in one away trip I can't remember exactly where it was but essentially uh, Peter Schmeichel went and knocked on Roy Keane's hotel room door and I can't remember who Roy Keane was rooming with at the time, but essentially, fireworks kicked off. They went got into a full on scrap, and um, and then it they went to... like that. That scene on Borat was it with uh, pretty much. Bag yeah, 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 pretty much <laughs> with someone running around with fist in hand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, they had to they had to get uh, separated. And uh, morning after, Keane says he got back on coach, and Keane just has no recollection of it. Keane were battered, he says, and, and they come right. in. And he said it might have been. It might have been. Um, Oh, Lee uh, Sharp. Lee Sharp. I think it yeah. might have been Lee Sharp, actually. And he says to Lee Sharp, he says, were, were I fighting last night? And he says, yeah, yeah, you are. He says, who were I fighting with? And then he like glanced over and Schmeichel's there. He's got, he's got glasses on, on, on <laughs> horse. Takes glasses off. He's got a great fucking shiner, auntie. And uh, uh, Fergie apparently went nuts and both, when the bad saying both disgraced at club and shit like that. And um I think Fergie said, you've got Bobby Charlton on the same floor as you. He, he travelled away with him. He says, he, he was just out road. And Keane went, well, he could have helped split us up then. <laughs> that obviously didn't go down too well. So I think them three in a room together, because it does quite upset me a bit, I must admit, the fact that we've got probably renowned as the greatest manager that English football's ever had, debatably. Roy Keane, one of the greatest captains of that period. They're all part of the same team. And just the fact that they don't... Obviously, we know Keane don't really like Fergie. And yeah. I just think they kind of need to bury that at you, I think. Get him at a dinner party. I'm going at a different vibe to Ag. If you're going to ask me where I'm going to go, yeah. um, I, I did have I did have Hooters in my head. But I'm just thinking, <laughs> Hooters is a bit fucking wild, isn't it? There's music, yeah. there's fucking tits everywhere and shit like that. So. You want a nice little bit of jazz in the background, I reckon. Yeah, I want, yeah. I want, I want a, a low-light restaurant, very yeah. quiet, a bit of jazz in the background. Um, yeah. And I want a, a gloves are off style where they both sat with <laughs> sat, sat, <laughs> <laughs> Sat Johnny Nelson's your waiter for some reason. Yeah, no, 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 no. Alan Shearer's the waiter, so Alan oh, okay. Shearer comes okay. in. He's got he's got a weight on Roy Keane, so I think that might okay. add a little little honourable mention there to Alan Shearer. So yeah, that would be my uh, my dinner party. That's fair, mate. Well, it's interesting you mentioned like the music and the low lighting and things like that because I'm spoiler alert. I'm going for Sender for mine. It's about low lighting, nice, nice sort of chill yeah. vibe, but. Um, yeah, it's quite interesting that you're you're looking for a scrap. I'm, I'm a bit worried about how messy the food you're potentially eating is because I'm sure some plates will end up getting chucked about if uh, yeah. if it kicks off again. But um, what's what's the reason Fergie's there? Is that is are you going to sit there and try and like poke the bear and wind Schmeichel and Keane up by talking to Fergie about like what they've been up to and what he thought of it? Or well, yeah, again, you know, again, glancing nod. Yeah, yeah, this fucking fucking, oh, you know what I mean? But no, it's, it's more that I want him and Keane to, to bridge as well. I want him and King because yeah. I, I don't like the fact that it was like them pay were like that like through 90s to early 2000s well it seemed that way outside looking in it seemed yeah. like he's got his, he's got his perfect captain he's got his perfect manager and to know that they didn't quite like, like each other and get on I, I don't quite like it and I don't know why I think that's more on me than it is on them but I think it'd be nice it'd be quite nice and wholesome to see them kind of put the uh, put the differences aside and enjoy the uh, the careers that they actually forged yeah, definitely. Before it's too late, because once it's too late, it's too late. So you got it. Will, it. It will be nice. But um, yeah, so I obviously this was my question, and I, and I had changed it from a from a different question. I had prepped, and and I thought, right, what do I want out of this experience? If I've got that opportunity, do I want to learn? So 
I'll not say the name, but the name that I'm not going to name drop because Kemp's not here, so where's the fun in that? Oh, Sir, well, that surprised me. I thought that was nailed on. It, well, it's not. Spoiler alert. So Sir Alex Ferguson, again, like you said, Sam, like really get, you know, getting into the idea of mindsets of these really elite, successful people, um, you know, maybe like a Michael Jordan or, or someone like that, just these people where you can really sit and, and learn from about that elite mindset and drive, you know, then I thought, what about people that I just sit and listen to? And I wouldn't say a word all night, like a, a Ray Lewis, you know, those people that you can just sit and listen and just talk and talk and talk and be in complete awe of. Um, but then I thought, fuck that. I'm here for the vibes. I'm here for the laugh. You know what I'm like. So, lads, I've got three footballers. I'm sticking to one sport like you have, Sam. And I've got Ali McCoist. Nice. I've got Paul Gascoigne. <laughs> because them individually are great, but well, they're fucking like The mates, that. aren't they? Yeah, close mates. And then... Who do I want to sit with and, and laugh at them to all night? I want to sit with Big Meeks. So oh, that's, that's Big good. Meeks is my three. So, it's very like good. I said, I could use it as an opportunity to learn about elite mindsets and what makes success. But ultimately, book me a table for four in Manchester, all just you know waving over, picking at the meats, talking about it, chatting the shit, having a really good laugh. I don't think it gets much gets much better than Ali McCoy's Paul Gascoigne and, and Big Meeks, does it? You you know Gaz is bringing the stories as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know he is. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. So uh, I'm happy with that. So yeah, should be a good night. And uh, part of me is like really happy talking about it, but also quite sad that that'll never happen. But uh, that's that comes part and parcel with the question, doesn't it? So uh, wonder what Kemp would have said. Like, what do you think? Who, mm. If you had to, if you had to pick one, Warnock's got to be on there, surely. Warnock would be Warnock. Uh, Adam Johnson, I think he said. Golfer, maybe Tiger, maybe I don't know. Mm, yeah, potentially, potentially. Bill Taylor. Phil Taylor, yeah. Phil Taylor, he, he, yeah. He might need a, he might need ten picks. I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe I'll get it out of him next week when he's back. But anyway, um, that is my question for the week. And next up between Sam and Aggie, Sam, it's you. Just got to uh, remind myself. I think I know what it is, but uh, yeah. So, what sporting moment has caused you the most heartache? And there's a little caveat in there: no internationals, because I think a lot of us could all agree that there's been a lot of internationals with England that we could easily put at number one. So, I'm scrapping that, and I want to hear about your personal club or team heartache. And I will start with you, Skin. Fair enough, mate. I think we could do a standalone episode if we were just talking about England heartache, couldn't we? Yeah. So uh, that's, a, that's a fair caveat. I will let you know it is our headline for the week. The graphic will be uh, like biggest sporting heartbreaks and all that kind of stuff. So I'm sure it will get some good discussion because you're absolutely right. Whether it's NFL, FI, football, whatever it is, there's every single sports fan has had that moment that has absolutely broke their heart. And uh, for me, Sam, it is actually a, a moment that I experienced with you in your in your Ooh. family home, in your bedroom back in the day. And it is uh, when Sergio Aguero stepped up to score the winning goal against QPR at the last possible moment to snatch the Premier League title away from Manchester United. So, uh, as we know, United were away at Sunderland City at home to QPR. We don't know, need to go too much into it because everyone knows what happened on that day. But Rooney scored the only goal in a 1-0 win, which, as it stood, going into late into the second half, uh, won them the title. City were 2-1 down, and, and it looked all done and dusted. Edin Dzeko scored in, I think, what, like the 90th minute uh, equaliser, which still wasn't enough. And then Sergio Aguero 
deep, deep, deep into injury time. We've pretty Ooh. much the last kick of the season. And Martin Tyler's greatest ever call um, stuck the ball in the back of the net past Paddy Kenny and won the game 3-2 and won them the title in the most dramatic title win of our lifetime. I know a lot of people sort of the previous generation will talk about Liverpool-Arsenal. I think it was the last season before the Premier League started, 89, was it maybe? Um, yeah. And Arsenal's dramatic title win, I think it was then. But... Um, or Liverpool's, I think it was Arsenal, sorry. Um, but yeah, I think for our lifetime, and we've still got many years left and many seasons left and many sporting moments for all the different sports, but I can't see it getting more dramatic and heartbreaking from a Manchester United fan's perspective um, than, yeah, losing the Premier League at the pretty much the absolute last possible moment. And yes, yeah, I said there, it was a moment that we shared. We, we were sat in your bedroom and I still remember it clear as day. You were sat in the DB chair, the big daddy chair, you know, the, what we called it. Um, and I was just sat there and I remember your dad came in um, as a, as they were all celebrating and you were just on the floor and your hands, head in your hands on your knees. And I was just like, just staring at him, mouth open, like. Couldn't believe it. And even now, I, was, it. I just, yeah, I just got completely stuck. So, uh, Yeah. It doesn't get much more heartbreaking than that, I don't think. So that's my answer for you, Sam. Yeah, it's a good one, mate. It's a good one. Probably the greatest moment in Premier League history. Obviously, if you ask the other ask the other nineteen teams, they'll say that. I don't think any United fan would, but yeah, what a moment for. Oh, oh, yeah, hundred percent. And and outside looking in, taking taking the emotion away from it as a as a football moment, even as a sporting moment. Like they're they're the moments that you write in films. They're the moments that you think could only exist in films because you can write and control that. So yeah, for what it was, an absolutely unbelievable moment. And yeah, I think you're right. How can it not be the greatest Premier League moment of of all time? And what would it 100%. take to beat it? I don't know. Yeah, no, it's um, it is fair, mate. I uh, definitely experienced that with you that day, Aggie. We'll uh, go with you next, mate. Let's. Um, but you've got a list as long as your fucking arm with Chesterfield. But uh, what what you, what you pinned down? I certainly am. I'm still stuck between two. So one of them is uh, the Wembley visit that we had this past um, May, I think it was, when we went to face Notts County. The money spent, the time spent in getting there, you know, the entire experience was phenomenal. Of course, it always is when you go to Wembley. You set yourself up for the potential of losing to a side that's absolutely dominated this division alongside Wrexham. And you score in the opening, what, five minutes, take a 1-0 lead. Having been obviously watched England in the World Cup and the Euros, we know that doesn't mean anything. 90th minute, Notts County equalised. We're going to extra time. We score at the beginning of extra time. You think, right, this is it. And I think about five minutes from full time, I started to feel myself tearing up, thinking, hang on a minute, we're going back into the football league here. Of course, John Bostock had to score in the final moment of that part as well. Take it to a penalty shootout. And then, of course, we lost... What? Bostock, very interesting name that might just resurface at some point okay. very soon. Well, um, he scored it anyway and um, they went to a penalty shootout. We lost that penalty shootout and it meant obviously the longest trip back from London I've ever had on the back of knowing that we've got another year in the National League whilst we're performing well at the moment. It's just one of them divisions that it's difficult to get out of, which brings me to my second one. And it was the point where we got relegated into the National League. It's something that from when I started following Chesterfield, we were a yo-yo club between League One and League Two, or back then Division Two and Division Three. You know, we was always fighting around the playoffs to go up, and then always trying to avoid relegation to go down. And I think the moment where I was sat inside Chesterfield's ground at the time that we got relegated, um, doing uh, reporting at the time, so I was sat there and I got to witness the game in which we got relegated. And it was just as soon as the full-time whistle blew, 
people knew for a while that we were going to be relegated because of the mathematical difference. But the moment it became mathematically impossible that we'd be safe, you just felt all any sort of optimism from the most optimistic of supporters just drain out of the stadium. And myself included, I always felt, you know, there was always a chance until it was mathematically impossible. And I think, I'll be honest, I think I shed a tear at that point as well. I had to go and do the post-match interviews afterwards on the back of what was, at the point, the most heartbreaking time of me ever covering football or watching football or being a supporter, just to know that this team that was destined for greatness, that was, you know, in the playoffs of League One not four years before, are now falling out of the Football League due to, like I said last week, the mismanagement that we struggled through, the inconsistency within managers, you know, the poor signings, the poor recruitment, that kind of stuff. And as a supporter, all you can do is just sit and watch and, and you know, feel that heartbreak. And there's times that you just drive past that stadium, you know, before the season started, our first season in the National League of, you know, you just look at it and think this is not a National League stadium. And to be fair, it's not. But you're only as good as the division you're in, I guess, aren't you? So Correct. you look at it and you just think what was once greatness is now you know and I know it's not obviously your Premier League greatness but you know for a side that is ducking and diving between League 1 and League 2 to be in the League 1 playoffs that is greatness for you isn't it greatness no? mate come on let, 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 I mean I'm, I'm with you I'm with you all the way on Chesterfield and being passionate but greatness is a craziest, crazy way to use about Chesterfield no no I'm comparing it against our past yeah but greatness mate come on come on let's have a, let's have a bit of perspective and, <laughs> well, and I'm, you say I'm, the greatest moment is then I've got to speak on behalf of Kempe because I know he'd have you for saying something like that. So I think I think greatness when it comes to Chesterfield is uh, is a little bit uh, a little bit bizarre, but yeah, well, it's 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 the peak of your history. It's the peak of your yeah. history, but the peak of your history is not greatness. So it's uh, carry on, mate. Carry on. It is for our standards. That's as great as it's going to get. League One uh, playoffs, anyway. So yeah, we got to League One playoffs, and then of course it just all crumbled from there. So I think it's tied between you know believing for what, 90 to 100 minutes of a game that you're actually going to make it back into the Football League to have it snatched away from the time for a side that, to be fair, over the course of the season was the better side or to fall out of the Football League altogether. So it's tough between those two. So I'm going to have to go with both, I'm afraid. No, I'm sorry. I'm going to do what Dawson will normally say to us and I'm going to push you. You have to pick one. I'm going to make you confirm. I need one answer from you. Not a list, not two, not three. I want your biggest heartache. It is going to be falling out of the football league, then I think. See, that were that were easy, weren't it? There we go. <laughs> Went a so, long way around that, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Um, Sam, if you don't mind, I have a follow up question. I know it was your original question. No, but, go for um, it. You mentioned there when you went down, just that that feeling in the stadium from the fans, that feeling in yourself as well. I've I've had the benefit of going to Chesterfield games last season and and quite a few this season already. Obviously, quite a few this season with you. Still in the national league probably the best chance you've had. I know you've had a lot of seasons where you've started very well and then sort of Christmas slash New Year's when you've started to to fall off fall off it. But the sort of vibes and the feelings, having that benefit of being to a few games this season, the, are there differences between what it feels like now despite still being in the National League to, to that feeling when you went down? You know, as a Chesterfield fan, as a long-term Chesterfield fan, like, is the hope genuine and real and, and is the vibe of the club and the fan base sort of back to where it should be other than being back in the Football League? Yeah, absolutely. I think from the moment that there was new ownership in place for the club, the supporters were straight back on board and in numbers as well. And you can tell now, and if you watch highlights from when we played 
games in our last season in League Two, compare them to what you can hear from the supporters now. It's night and day the difference. And right now we've got supporters that are all on board with, you know, the hype train that Paul Cook's rebuilding with us. He's a manager that should never be in the National League. And we've got players that, to be fair, are too good for the National League. And again, I'm not going to say they're destined for greatness, just to please Sam, but the the players that could easily make it in League Two to an extent. And I know, Sam, you've even seen players like on TV, you said players like Dobra that, you know, have potential to go places that maybe are too good for the National League. So I think this has to be our year. And I think the supporters are, we're doing everything that we can to make sure that we're supporting the players and giving the players the best hope to get out of this division. Yeah, definitely. And I think what back-to-back Tuesday night fixtures at home has broken the record for for midweek home attendances. So, yeah, definitely agree with that, that they're turning up and and some big games coming up over the next few weeks for them to continue to do so. But uh, Sam, back to you, mate, for your question. uh, Have you got something to top that that hurt you the most? I mean, I can't, I can't speak Frankie and say mine hurt more than his, obviously, but I could tell you it definitely hurt me probably more than most other things that probably, yeah, the most thing that's happened in sport. And it's taken away from football and it's actually going to the NFL. Now, obviously, I could have said Derby and, you know, the shit we went through two years ago and, and all that, but we, we've come out of it and... You know, if we'd have gone, if we'd have gone and dissolved the club, it would one hundred percent be number one. But we're not. We're, we're still here, so we're still alive and kicking. So I'm not going to go Derby this time, and I'm going to go the Packers NFC Championship game against the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, I haven't actually wrote the year down here, which I don't know why, but I've got. I want to say 2014. I think um, it was. Yeah, it was 2014 season because that Super Bowl was in 2015 because it was when. Tommy was like two days old, so yeah, yeah. it was a 2014 season. 2014 season. Uh, it was in Seattle. Seattle had the Legion of Boom in full effect, um, and we absolutely destroyed them for... Three and a half it, quarters? No, for 57 minutes, and I want to say 50, 57 minutes and 50... I can't think, 54 seconds it was. We absolutely pissed him. It was 16-0 with two minutes and, oh, two minutes nine. I thought it was two minutes six. Two minutes nine on the clock, just going into uh, the two-minute warning. We were 16-0 up. I think we picked Wilson off about four times. He was like in the prime of like an MVP run. He, were, like, he was really good. I mean, I know he didn't win the MVP, but he, he could have he made a right case for it. Yeah. And um, and we were brilliant. We was absolutely brilliant for three and a half quarters, as, as you say. And... Um, and the fact that we'd already beaten the New England Patriots earlier on in the same season in Fox... No, it wasn't in Foxborough, sorry, it was in Lambeau. Um, so we'd already beaten the the team we were going to play in the Super Bowl. Um, granted, I know, New England Patriots Super Bowl, different breed, but, you know, just knowing that you've already yeah, done yeah. it once this season. And Brady versus Rogers. It's what we always wanted, weren't it? It's what we always wanted. Us in the Super Bowl together, all of it. And then we're two minutes away, Aggie. And then, I just I mean, this is obviously just before you got into it, Aggie, and I'm so fucking glad because if you'd have been if you'd have been into it, I think I'd have to fucking thrash you or something just to make myself feel a bit better. Um, <laughs> two minutes nine left on the clock, we gave up our first touchdown, and you're thinking, okay, right, they've still got a long way to go. It's still in our hands. Don't fuck this up. And they go for it. Obviously, we're up sixteen. They need two two point conversions. Um, 
the, fir- the first two-point conversion is one of the wildest two-point conversions I've ever seen still to this day. Yeah. Uh, they obviously, start on the two, two-point conversion, and Russell Wilson ended up going backwards, and if, I think he ended up throwing it from like the 15-yard line or something like that. We looked like we- Clay Matthews had got him dead to rights for a sack, and Russell Wilson, in that period of time, it was absolutely magic at just creating plays and extending drives and things like that, and he managed to wheel out of a sack of, of Matthews go backwards and you're thinking the further as we're back you're thinking yes yes we've got it we've got him and then he just managed to throw a fucking hail mary ball just into back at end zone and and someone come down with it we were wearing a seattle seahawk uh, colored jersey and and i just think oh my god here we go it's and you start getting that fucking sick feeling and thinking this this actually this actually could happen so of course the score is then 16 to 8 and they go for an onside kick because I think they've already used all of the timeouts. And I mentioned Bostick there. It's actually Boss. It's actually Bostick, not Bostock, but it's it's very close. Brandon Bostick, what a cunt! He, um, <laughs> he, he tight end, our tight end at the time. All he had to do, he was told to fucking block. That's all he was told to do. He wasn't supposed to in, try and catch that ball. He was told to block the oncoming rush of the Seattle Seahawks. And something went off in his head, and he seen the ball going, and he thought, oh yeah, that's close to me. That is. And he knocked it up. Behind him was an old pro in Jordan Nelson, who was one of the greatest receivers that we've ever had, the most secure pair of hands I think we've ever had behind Donald Driver. And he was there ready to make the easy catch and essentially kill the game dead. And Bostick fumbled the fucking ball. Ball went everywhere. Seattle recovered. They went down and scored again. And you're just thinking, oh my God, here we go. Here we go. Um, Seattle didn't manage to score again. I think they, they went and scored a field goal after that. So they actually went to lead. So we needed a field goal just to bring it to an overtime. And then about four plays into overtime, I think Russell Wilson found, I think it was... Uh, launched a launched a dart Kurtz about went 40 yards, yeah. I think it was... Uh, was it, is it Jermaine Curse? was it? Yeah, because he fucking launched it to like the back of Lambo, yeah. didn't he? Yeah, yeah, and, um, and And that were it. And, and Seattle won with a walk-off touchdown in the NFC Championship game. And I was absolutely fucking gutted. You've got to bear in mind as well that the at the time I always used to moan about this Dawson as well the NFC Championship game was always the fucking late game always yeah. the late game on the Sunday so Patriots already, had already won we'd already seen that they, they kicked off at like 8 so we knew it, the winner was to play the Patriots in the Super Bowl and as, as I say we'd already beaten once I'd stayed up so kickoff was 11 so you can imagine this has got to be like half 2 in the morning really at that point so I'm tired I've stayed up watching it and I've just watched my team just fucking disintegrate in the space of about 2 minutes and 2 minutes 9 seconds and that for me is the um is the most biggest sport in our tech I think I've ever experienced. Horrible. Uh, Aggie, wish you'd uh, wish you'd have been a fan. Yeah, mate, you'd have been going mad. You'd have been going mad. Well, first ever NFL game I'd watched were only a year before, and that's when I'd picked Seahawks to beat Broncos because everyone thought Broncos were gonna win. So I, I can't comment on obviously that game because I didn't see it and I I weren't a, a fan back then. But yeah, it sounds uh, very painful. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, even for me, because I, I remember it, and again, like Sam said, Patriots had already won. This was our chance. We'd always wanted Brady versus Rogers. We'd always wanted me versus him in the Super Bowl. That was like the dream, and this was our chance. And, and like Sam said, a couple of minutes left, two scores up, and including two uh, two point conversions. Like this was it, and and it was snatched away. So even when Sam was explaining it, then even my stomach was going again, and it, it hurts me as well. Obviously, nowhere near as much as it hurts Sam. But the fact that it was going to be Packers versus Patriots, Brady versus Rogers, me versus Sam, 
yeah, it, it's probably up there for me. So as fucking like close. Biggest heartbreak for something that didn't involve my team or something <laughs> that I was supporting, to be fair. So, yeah, great choice, mate. Not that that helps. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> that's, uh, that's your consolation prize. You've got a great answer to your own question. But, uh, yeah, it's never going to happen again, is it? Brady's gone. Rogers is not gone. far away. So, uh, yeah, that was our chance. And we'll, we'll never get it. But anyway, so be it. It made for a great story. But, uh, Aggie, it's down to you, mate, to close the show with your question. What have you got for us this week? Yes, my question is the best and worst signing that you have seen your club make. So this is football-based question, just the best and worst signing that you've seen your team make. Skin, I'll start with you. Give Sam a break from uh, from ranting. Let him calm down a little bit before he gets stuck into how bad his worst signing was for Derby. But uh, yeah, so um, I'm going to... So I'll start with best or worst. I'll start with worst. Let's get the negatives out of the way. And it is a player that I mentioned last week. I was preparing a rant for during Sam's uh, What Do You Want to Rant About segment. And maybe there is a an element of recency bias within this, but... Technically, this is the worst United team of my lifetime, so why not go for that? And it is Anthony. I fucking hate him. He's fucking useless. He costs, what, 70, 80 million? And I cannot see what he offers. Fair enough, he worked in a Ten Hag system at Ajax. Fair enough, in that league, he looked relatively decent, but he looks like he's never kicked a ball before in the Premier League. I don't know what it is. Eric Ten Hag, even recently, I think um, after the defeat at the weekend, said that um, he couldn't play the same way that he did at Ajax and he has to learn to play different ways. Well, then Anthony ain't going to fucking work because uh, we bought players like him and Alessandro Martinez in and obviously Andre Onana this uh, summer to turn that team into the way that Eric Ten Hag plays football or wants his team to play football. So if he's now moving away from that, I have absolutely no positive reason or justification as to why Anthony is still starting pretty much every single game. He offers nothing. We talk about United and what makes them great or what's made them great over the years. We think of counter-attacking football, you know, speed and, and all these kind of things that we know from the Fergie era or even, even under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Solskjaer gets a lot of stick, but if you go back to, to that time where they were playing really, really well under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, a lot of that was you know, the blueprint of what it was under Fergie. And I'll argue with anyone until the day I die that that was the case. But I just, I don't know why he offers. He can't take on players. He gets the ball. He stands there for a minute and a player comes near him and he passes it back or he loses it. He cuts inside and he blasts it way wide, way over and one in about 30 shots might go in or might be on target. If either of you can give me a reason or if I click this and put this on social media, so hello to anyone that is watching this in the future if I have done so or anyone that's watching the episode or listening on Spotify, if you can give me one good reason as to why Anthony, not understand he's not long joined the club and, and you know I'm not saying get rid of him, which they should, but one good reason why he should be starting game in, game out, week in, week out, I would love to hear it. Because I am not seeing anything. Last night against Newcastle, Pete behind the curtain, we were recording on the Thursday night. Yes, they lost 3-0, but he was fucking shocking. Crossing the ball about 10, 15 yards further than the nearest player. Again, cutting inside and shooting it again, 10, 15 yards over the bar. Again, he can't dribble with the ball. He can't take players on. He can't cross it in because he's left-footed. So it's not like he can drive down the right wing and get it in because he has to cut back to get it back on his left foot to then pass it back to someone sort of 10 yards further back up the pitch. I really do not fucking know what he offers to that team. I can understand why they signed him. I'm not going to argue that. But 
I always say, give players coming in from a different league a year, a season, to let them adjust. So I'll forget last season and me thinking that he weren't up to much then. But this season, he's been absolutely fucking shocking. And then, and then on top of all that, you see his fucking actions when he came on against Man City on Sunday, where he's kicking out at uh, Philip mm. Doku, kicking out and then slapping his hand away when Doku didn't even do anything. I will fully defend Doku. He'd just been kicked for absolutely no reason. He beat him and he was just like... Don't do that. Slapping his hand away, <laughs> trying to slap it again, just piss poor. And on a day where they was when they were celebrating Sir Bobby Charlton's memory, and you, you listen to players like Gary Neville in in the gantry before the game talking about what he brought to the club, and there was a, an incident in the nineties when Gary Neville was young and he kicked out at a player, and Sir Bobby Charlton pulled him aside after saying, "You don't do that. That's not how you behave. You you, you act with class." and all this kind of stuff. And on a day like that, where he's recently passed away and they're having a minute's applause and all this kind of stuff before the game and the city of Manchester is coming together to celebrate one of the, the best sporting products um, from a club in that area, and he's behaving like that. He's an absolute fucking disgrace, and he's one of the reasons why. I know we talk about the Glazers, and I've said that it's it's a toxic club, that there are players on that field that are letting the club down are one of the reasons why they are struggling so much. We spoke, what, three games into the season about how Bruno should not be the captain of Manchester United, and Kemp said it was too early to tell. Well, let's rewind it, because he should not be the fucking captain of Manchester United. And I've now got more games to say it, and now you've seen a lot more people. Roy Keane at the weekend was saying it. All these people that are in the game, I was saying it two, three games into the season and I was told it was too early to tell. And players like Anthony are fucking shambolic and should not be starting for Manchester United moving forward. And in the nearest opportunity, taking a massive fucking loss like Manchester United do every time they sign a player because they're no longer a club that can bring in a player and sell them for a good fee because they come to Manchester United, they die at Manchester United and then they're just an empty shell to move on for fuck all. Do the same with Anthony and move on. Jaden Sancho is a right winger. Obviously, there's off-field things going off at the moment, but I don't think he's been given a, a full opportunity to prove if he can be a Manchester United player and if he can be someone that can contribute to their revival. What that revival is, I don't know at this moment in time, but potentially could we, he be given a chance? Could he be that player? He drives forward with the ball. He can score. He can finish. He proved that at Dortmund and he's shown it in the odd flash, but he needs to start getting his head in check. He needs to mend his relationship with Tan Hag. Players like Facundo, Facundo Palestri, again, who plays on the right, very attacking. He'll drive forward. He'll try and get the ball in the box. He'll try and make a forward pass. I'd rather these kind of players, these youngsters be starting that actually look like they give a shit. Get Dan James back. Get Dan I don't give a fuck if he's in the championship now with Leeds and left United to go to Fulham. Get him back because I tell you what, under Solskjaer, he fucking wanted to get forward. And he was a lot of the reason why they were quite successful in them counter-attacking transitions. Get them back in because Anthony is fucking shite and I'm done with it. I'm sick of seeing him starting every week. I'm sick of seeing him doing fuck all every week and I'm fucking sick of him doing shit that he was doing like that docu incident at the end of the Man City game because if you're going to do that on top of the fucking shit, fuck off. I'm done with it. I think it's quite damning. I think you're right that Dan James, I, I do believe, was a better player for Man United than than Anthony has been so far. And that, for the, you just look at the prices attached to each player and that's just fucking mind-blowing to me, that is. And I, I completely agree with you. I think he's been an awful, awful signing. And yeah, it was one of his his men, but if he can't play the system that he wants to play, then, then what's he still doing being picked? In regards to Sancho, I, I kind of disagree with you to an extent. I think... He just doesn't seem like he's, he's professional. He's obviously... Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah, I, I yeah, get why he's, he's not getting in the team. Yeah, at the end of the day, Ten Hag is, is, is managing for his job, isn't he? And if he's not... If he doesn't deem him training hard enough and not, he's not the best possible person to get him results, then 
<sighs> if you can't get in ahead of Anthony, what the fuck is he doing? Because you after that like, run you've just done and every word of it were, were pretty, pretty much bang on by the Sancho thing. If you can't get in ahead of, ahead of him, then you know you may as well gear up because he is absolutely useless, Anthony. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that's my rant of the week. I, I saved that. I let it build up for a further week. That was nearly fermented. Again, fermented. The Man City and Newcastle games have just added to that. I've been a bit calmer last week, but we've had two more games of football to prove why I was absolutely fucking right to feel that way. But anyway, on to the positives. I'm glad I saved it. I'm glad I went with the worst play first. So for me, we can talk about a Ronaldo that came in for a relatively cheap fee and then did, you know, I said about bringing in players and selling them for a lot of money. We can talk about a Wayne Rooney that came in at 18 years old and all this kind of stuff. But I'm going with the heart this week. Um, and I'm going with one of my favourite ever Manchester United players, lads, and that is Nemanja Vidic. Um, brought in 2005 for a £7 million fee. Um, bought it in a transfer window. It's got listed here alongside Patrice Everett, Jisung Park and Edwin van der Sar, as well as a, a few other players. But we talk about that team of the mid to late 2000s. What a fucking core that is. Um, of that team in the in the uh, for the in that transfer window, Vidic, Everett Park, and Van der Zar. So yeah, Vidic, unbelievable, a fucking leader, a warrior. Sam, we always talk about playing on the crit back in the day. You know, they they were the perfect centre back pairing him and Rio Ferdinand. Ferdinand was that ball player, that classy player. Vidic was that fucking hard nut and that no nonsense guy by the side of him, and they they perfectly complemented each other. And um, and again, we talk about the spirit of Manchester United, the blueprint of Manchester United. He, he was absolutely a, a brilliant. The fans loved him. Again, coming in from Spartak Mons- uh, Moscow. So, you know, in terms of the league... Not to a Red Star Belgrade. No, no. Uh, Spartak Moscow. He might oh. play for them at some point. Fair enough. Um, moved to Inter Milan and, and played a couple of seasons in Italy. But, yeah, what a player. And, and what an integral part of that great team of the sort of mid to late 2000s, um, uh, 2010s as well, that, uh, that he was a part of. But, yeah, Vidic... There's not too much I can say because we all know how good he was, but I just wanted to go with a bit of a personal favourite. And again, £7 million. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Very so, good. Yeah, uh, there you go, Aggie. They're my, uh, they're my answers. Good chance, to be fair. Big fan of the uh, the Vidic call. Not surprised by it too much. Uh, Loved Sam? Him, mate. Loved him. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think you probably should have said Dawson to last because that were unbelievable. Are we going to follow <laughs> that? I'm not. I'm not going to touch sides compared to that. Like I said, I haven't done any any research or anything. But uh, you got to bear in mind here that I've probably been a you know a Derby fan for probably the last sort of ten years or so. I kind of completely lost love of football ten years ago, and when I did get back into it, I just kind of stuck with my local team. So I'm not going to go back and say like a Paolo one chop or anything like that for the best or best or worst you know worst signing. So Go on, just Clancy. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, <coughs> I'm just going to uh, stick with uh, what I've witnessed on the pitch, and I'm going to start with the worst as well. Seeing as Dawson did the same, uh, the worst for me by far has to be Claude Davis, the centre back that Derby County signed in about the 2006 season. It was the season we got promoted to the Premier League. Uh, obviously, we won our, our playoff game. Uh, Stephen Pearson scored at Wembley. Uh, to, to send us, I think, beat West Brom 1-0. Uh, 
And uh, yeah, the, the season after the infamous, infamous derby season of the 11 points and, and worst team in history. And this guy just absolutely epitomises everything, everything that, that went wrong last season. We signed him for three million and for three million back in 2006 for Derby was a fucking shit ton of money. We didn't we didn't have a lot of money to throw around. They got a case. So Claude Davis and Darren Moore was his centre-back partnership. Now, nice. Darren Moore... Right, it was fucking useless in Premier League. It was always on his arse, he was falling over. But Derby fans have got a lot of love for Darren Moore. There's, there's a bit of a soft spot for him. Okay. Um, it, it were brilliant in Championship. Good guy, fair. to be fair. Great guy. Unreal guy. And yeah. it, it were brilliant in Championship. It were one of them really slow defenders, but he'll stand there, he'll not shift, he'll not move his ground, and you need them sort of players in them lower leagues. But Premier League, he got found out pretty quickly, and they tried to partner with him with someone a little bit more pacey with Claude Davis, and yeah. he, he was just fucking awful. He was absolutely awful. He, he just, they were colliding <laughs> colliding together all the time. I've got visions now. I just remember <laughs> they, they, ran into each, they ran into each other at least four times that season, where they just, <laughs> just completely collided with each other. It, it was like a, just an absolute laughing stock. Uh, so yeah, the the the, the, 20, the the 2006 derby season it, it had to involve someone from that season the yeah. worst team in Premier League history and Claude Davis is the one that gets the um, gets to wear the uh, the jester's hat for that one the dunce uh, cap the dunce cap yeah so in terms of the best signing I think this might ruffle a few feathers I think really with this one because it's it's not it's not vintage derby whenever you hear his Ooh. name. It's definitely not Derby, the first club that comes into mind, but it has to be Wayne Rooney. I think. Okay. Can you just by, remember? By, by, by ruffle some feathers, do you mean Kemp's? Or... Yeah, definitely Kemp. <laughs> and, and some Derby fans as well, because obviously we've had some good players over the past. And it's just me being quite short, short, uh, recency bias, as you say. But uh, can you just remember, if you throw your minds back to that period of time when the rumours come about that. Wayne Rooney might be signing for Championship side Derby, and everyone's like, "What the fuck? Why Derby?" And it was a whole thing, and everyone it was, and it, apparently it coming down to um, thirty two red, I believe, our sponsor at the time. Yeah. And if you remember, he wore the number thirty two at Derby, and yeah. it, it, they Derby it signed thirty two red helped facilitate the transfer to Derby. He was in the he played in okay. the states at the time. Who was he playing for? I can't remember. Is it? It was Dallas, wasn't it? Was I know he managed Dallas. Uh, oh, was it Dallas? Yeah, he managed. So yeah, yeah he played for him as well because he scored that. Well, I say he scored yeah, that, you're goal, right. that goal where he ran back, made that tackle, and crossed. I'm sure that was Dallas. Yeah, you could be right there. It was DC United. I'm thinking of where he managed. DC United. No, that's who he managed. That's who he managed. Hundred percent managed DC United. So whether he played for the same team, it could be them as well. I, I think he you're right DC with that. United. It yeah, was, it was DC. Yeah, so it's the same team then. Um, Not bad. Uh, and yeah, and and. Uh, 32 red helped facilitate the move and there was just so much hype and he was just unbelievable. His legs had kind of gone at this point in his career. We played him centre mid most of the time. We did stick him up top occasionally, but he was just three steps ahead of every single other championship player and we were playing some unbelievable stuff under him. Obviously, a year and a half later, he ended up becoming the manager. Um, Philip Cock, who was the manager at the time, that's a, a random blast from the past. Uh, we brought we brought him in, ex-Barcelona uh, player, obviously. Yeah. Uh, we expected big things, Cocku ball and all that, and it, it didn't, didn't go down very well. But yeah, Wayne Rooney for me, coming in, just I remember the hysteria and I just always remember how good he was just in possession and I think he scored about five free kicks for us as well in, in space for yeah. about a year and a half he was just it was, it was unbelievable so yeah I think Wayne Rooney has to go down as the, my favourite and best Derby County sign that I've seen in, over the last sort of 10 years or so yeah 
another yeah, another couple of fair answers. Um, mine are not going to be. Well, I've got I've got a couple of like follow up things. I thought, <laughs> I, I thought you were ready to ask. Yeah, some. yeah. Aggie, Aggie bought the heat last week, didn't he? So I didn't want to jump in just in case you he go was there. It was ready, but you talk about Rooney there. Obviously, he transitioned to that sort of centre midfield role, didn't he? Um, at Derby, play play more in that role as the quarterback role, as That's we call it, that, that Beckham played sort of towards the end of his England career, just sort of sitting and distributing and just dictating the game, which he did unbelievably well, even at that age. But um, what he said about it maybe ruffling a few feathers with Derby fans as well. Do you think that that opinion is because of what he did in management and that kind of stuff, or you know what? What would you say is the overall sort of opinion or the majority opinion about what he did on the pitch for Derby? Uh, on the pitch, uh, Derby fans loved him. It was it were, it were absolutely unbelievable. He, I don't think any, there'll be any Derby fan that that knocked knocked his um, his desire and, and his, his will to win and, and his, his just quality above everyone. Um, obviously, when he went into management, I, I don't think there's many Derby fans that'll fault him what, what happened there either. You've got to remember he coming. It was in an absolute shit show with Mel Morris above him, and we yeah. got point deductions. What was it? Twenty-one point deduction, I think, at that time we were done, and and we almost it took us to the last day of the season to uh, to go down. So you know you got to take your hat off to him. So a lot of Derby fans will have fond memories. I think the only reason I said that it'll probably ruffle a few feathers is just the fact that I think that there's more. It's not exactly a club legend, legend, is it? When you think of Derby legends over the past, and I think the fact that I probably picked him, there'll be some like you. You ask my dad, and he'll he'll come up with all sorts, like say King Cladzi and um, um, Ravinelli. Um, and Ravinelli kind of yeah. elder, eldest for ransom, to be fair. But uh, you know, you've got all your player one chop and all, and all them. So there's definitely Mark better. Poom. Mark Poom, what a player! There's 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 definitely better club legends out there. Um, but uh, yeah, I think Wayne Rooney for over the last sort of ten years that I've been watching has to be like the marquee signing that we've made. Yeah, definitely fair shout. I get anyway, mate. Back to you for to finish off with your own question. Yeah, mine aren't even going to be that high profile in comparison to a Wayne Rooney. Yeah, or definitely Manu should have had doing with me because no one's going to fucking know who he's talking about here. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with Chris O'Grady. Pause, no. brother. <laughs> Chris O'Grady. <laughs> We've gone from an absolute rant about Anthony in the history of Manchester United, but the man you minute is coming in with a core of the fucking legacy. Fucking Wayne Rooney coming in and amongst all the turmoil, everyone else to Chris O'Grady. If by any chance Chris Just O'Grady or anyone that he knows or loves happens to see this, no offence, but surely you can see the issue here. Uh, no, I've got Chris O'Grady as the worst signing that we I've seen us make. Oh, fuck um, him then. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we, brought, we brought him in as, as a target man in, in League Two. He was actually within the club when we uh, when we got relegated out of the Football League. And he was one of those players that, you know, for our level, is earning two, three grand a week, which at the bottom end of League Two is quite a lot of money, obviously, to be taken. Um, but he was very lazy when he was on the field. He didn't seem to have that right sort of attitude off the field is all we was hearing as well. But on the field, when you saw him playing, there was no challenging for the ball. There was no willing to, to work for the ball, nothing like that. And for me, we needed a player at that point that could really, you know, put pressure on other teams, try and take the game to other teams. And he just didn't have that. And for some reason, he continued to get picked. He played 35 games in one year for us. Um, and I think there was only like 46 games in that season. So he only missed out on 11. I think a couple of that was because of, of injury. Um, which we'll leave there, yeah. Um, but yeah, he, he just he wasn't that sort of player that we needed, and he didn't seem like he was that bothered. Afterwards, it bu- buggered me more that. Um, Did you say went... it buggered you more? Because you definitely me more. Met, 
You definitely did not say fucking bothered. I'm though. sure I said buggered. It's right, we're recording, so it's fine. We'll get it. We'll get it back. I'll clip it. You're right, I did, right. but I was hoping no one noticed. Fucking <laughs> 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 okay, Aggie's, Aggie's, Aggie's doing sequel to that horse video that's been doing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I was oh hoping nobody noticed, but no, it bothered me more that after we'd got relegated out of the Football League, and I think this is always the case when teams get relegated that then the players can move on to other clubs within the football league and he then played 35 uh, 38 games the following year for Oldham 20 games the following year after that for Bolton both playing in inside league one before dropping out to very low levels of, of, of football but I think the thing that bothered me the most was just the fact that he he didn't he didn't seem to have that sort of effort desire or even want to be there but he was still taking and more than happy to take two three grand out of the club the club wage budget so that bothered me mercenary um, mercenary yeah very much so and the best signing for me has to go down to uh tommy lee who even if you're not a chesterfield fan i'm sure at some point you have heard me bang on about him for a bit um goalkeeper played for us for a very long time scored one goal fewer than chris o'grady did um and he was a goalkeeper wow so there you go. Um, That's the start of the day right there. Brilliant. Yeah, started off um, his career at Manchester United. Never actually got to play for Manchester United, but spent a lot of time training with their first team just because of how Sir Alex Ferguson ran his sides. Obviously, the youth players, the reserve players all trained with the first team as well. Um, went to Macclesfield, played 52 games for them and then came and played 328 games across nine years for us before retiring due to a shoulder injury um, and retired quite young at we'll that see. as well. Um <laughs> I remember him saying in an interview as well that he got to a point where as a goalkeeper, you always want people to be shooting at you just to be able to do something. But he got to a point at the back end of his career because of that shoulder injury when he came back from the original operation that he just didn't want players shooting and he didn't feel like he could dive to that side anymore. So he had to retire at that point. And he played uh, six minutes in his testimonial before uh, being substituted up against Paul Cook's Wigan back then as well. So Kemp will be yeah. happy. Kemp will be happy. He managed to play well, a testimonial. He, he played yeah, his yeah. own testimonial, yeah. Nobody had a shot, thankfully, during that time, but he played in the testimonial. Um, but yeah, 328 games, clearly a club legend. Plenty of uh, promotions in there, a couple of relegations, a couple of trips to Wembley. Um, and I think three or four years, he was named in uh, the, the team of the year, not just for Chesterfield, but within the division as well, being League One or League Two. I was ready for somebody to say, oh, it's not difficult in Chesterfield if you're playing every game. Chesterfield's team of the year is the goalkeeper. <laughs> of course he's going to win that. Well, that's why I felt I had to say it, because if I just said he got named in team of the year for three years, you're going to be like, well, obviously, he's the only goalkeeper you've used for the year. So I thought <laughs> I'll beat you to it. <laughs> Fucking hell, like. I thought I'll beat you to the punch for that. But yeah, uh, Tommy Lee is the best signing I've seen us make. Um, he's now a goalkeeping coach at Sheffield United as well for their academy. Um, and Chris O'Grady is the worst. Fair enough, mate. I'll uh, I'll disagree, mate. The best signing that Chesterfield have made is uh, Andrew Dallas, but uh, we'll uh, we'll move on. Didn't never play. fall in love with a lone player. <laughs> never, mate. I did, I did, mate. And Harry Tyre as well on his way to uh, for it happening again. But anyway, lads, that's episode seventy-five. It's about forty-eight minutes shorter um, through Kemp's absence, but we'll we'll see what the difference is when we cut it and send it uh, at some point tomorrow. So, uh, Aggie, before we get stuck into weekends, I do actually have a question for you off the back of the YouTube comments uh, from last week i was going to ask in the intro uh kemp not being here did change that but i do want to ask you it's from the uh, richard sexy man shellswell uh former guest on our listener locking section and it's uh it's a question 
Um, in regards to your answer last week on the greatest sports games, where you said LMA manager two thousand and five, and mm-hmm. and he he wants to know if you were if you used the cheats for LMA manager. So did you? And then fill me and Sam in a little bit as to what those cheat those cheats were and what was available. Yeah, I think you've played the game yourself. I think you told me that it was one of your favourite games as well. Uh, I didn't cheat then, on but, it, though. Yeah, no, I used <laughs> the cheats, but I think it was back then you had to buy a cheat book, didn't you? When you went to the oh, shop, you got like, a little are, cheat book, or so when you got it free yeah. with the magazine, that kind of thing. And you just looked through the book to try and find what ones, and you could get stupid ones like when you're pressing to, to change your tactics and that sort of stuff, and you can hear your manager shout it. There can be high-pitched sounds, deep voices, all that sort of stuff. Uh, you can change it to infinite, infinite money, any player signs for you you know, win every game, that sort of stuff. And I did one of those before. What's the point in playing that? that if you, like, that's if so you want shit, the money, if, yeah, is, if, you, if you want the money, fine. Like, I kind of, I get it. I, I've done shit like that before, but putting a cheat to win every game, there's literally <laughs> no point playing, is there? I did the one where it was immediate interest, where players could just, you know, be interested in signing for you. And at Chesterfield, it was difficult to get players to be interested, but I managed to build a dream. Def- difficult to win games as well, so... <laughs> Well, we managed to win every game naturally because of the players that I brought in. Because you've got that immediate interest, you can put them down for zero pounds and then just offer them no like no wages and you get them to sign for you. So I did that and then I got part way through it and thought, I feel really guilty for not doing this the proper way around. So I went as Chesterfield and got us relegated. Only I could actually have feel genuine guilt. <laughs> is there, is one that shower into a cold shower is like <laughs> trying you to know, watch him sad. When people are saying to you, like, how are you getting on with your career? It's like, oh, great, we're top at Premier League. I'm Chesterfield. Oh, that's wonderful. Who have you signed? And then you go through everybody that you've signed and you like got Thierry Henry and Michael Owen standing up front for you. Yeah, all right. Beckham and Messi in the middle. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you, Messi in 05. Yeah, he was why 19. Not? Yeah, it was it was coming in, weren't he? Number thirty, ready to take over the number ten from Ronaldinho. But uh, thanks for that. I'll let uh, the sexy man Shellswell know that you've answered that, and, and hopefully he's happy. Um, his question for Kemp was um, how we would change boxing. Obviously, his rant was about um, the state of boxing and, and how you'd fix that. So maybe a very quick one for the intro next week to get his thoughts on, on how he might go about fixing the fixing the sport that he thinks is broken. Um, but yeah, episode seventy five done and dusted, lads. Let's talk weekends. Aggie, what have you got planned? mate uh saturday i am covering burnley against crystal palace which should be good and then sunday i am waiting to hear back from you as to what we're actually doing for chesterfield portsmouth Still and then to confirm mate should be even if we because it won't go to extra time of course should be good to get back just in time for <laughs> i think it's dolphins chiefs at half two on sunday Correct. Yeah, so that should be good as well. And then obviously leads me into red zone. So Saturday's going to be a nice chilled one till about three o'clock. And then Sunday's going to be hectic, but sports filled. So it's all fun and games. Well, to be fair, mate, if you do go, it'll finish 2, 2.15, depending on injury times and stuff. So you're going to miss a few minutes of it if at the worst. But uh, yeah, absolutely. We will confirm, mate, and we'll discuss next week if we end up going or not. But at least you can watch it on the telly um, if we don't go. But uh, Sam, what's your plan for the weekend, mate? Yeah, it's another quiet one from me. Um, I've been saying this for about five weeks in a row now, but uh, we're obviously saving a lot of money between me and Kate, trying to you know save for houses and holidays and shit like that. So it, it will be another quiet one for me. Um, Sunday, definitely a day full of sport. I'm going to be watching the uh, the NFL game, obviously the first game in Frankfurt that has there's been in the NFL between, as you say, Miami and um, and Kansas, Kansas City. City. What a so game! That, 
So that'd be an unreal game, to be fair. Kind of, kind of wish it was at Arrow, Arrowhead. I must admit, like seeing Tyreek back at Arrowhead, I think that would have been quite nice. But it'll, it'll be a decent atmosphere nonetheless. Um, Saturday, I think we will probably go into swimming again. Probably taking the dog or something like that, just keeping a bit active. And then I would imagine probably going to see my mum and dad because I've not seen him for a bit. So uh, yeah, that'll probably be my weekend. What about you, mate? Don't know yet, mate. Well, I say I don't know. That's that's not right lie. Um, Saturday will be a pretty steady one. I've got a Halloween party at my sister's on Saturday night. Um, and then Sunday will either be going to watch Town versus Portsmouth in the FA, FA Cup, if not watching it on the telly, ITV1, mate, if you fancy it, at quarter past 12. Um, yeah, maybe. And then, yeah, just just watching the NFL. So Sunday will be a pretty steady Ooh, one. Ooh, Derby on as well, aren't they? ITVX. Yeah, they are, yeah. Crew, is it? Are they, oh, the crew are they, I think? Can't remember. Can't remember. Sure, it's crew. But anyway, very quickly, Ramarine, like you said, big game there. Miami Dolphins against Kansas City Chiefs. It's a huge game in the AFC. And we get the benefit of having it at half past two on a Sunday afternoon instead of what it probably should be, which is about half past two on a Monday or Tuesday morning. So uh, let's have a very quick round the room predictions. I'll go first. I've got the Dolphins taking this and I think they win by a touchdown. Sam, what about you? Yeah, me too. Um, I think the far too explosive. Um, the Chiefs are a very good team and I think we're in the middle of a Chiefs dynasty at the minute. Um, but I do think they are struggling uh, on offence particularly and I, I think they might struggle in a foot race with the the uh, Miami Dolphins at the minute. But if the Chiefs can do what Buffalo did to them a couple of weeks back, they've got every chance of winning. But I don't think they've got the defence to do what Buffalo did. So I'm also going to go for a Dolphins win by three. Nice. And the thing you mentioned there about not being at Arrowhead, I think that definitely helps, you know, you know taking that home field advantage, that rabid crowd that we know the, the Chiefs give, uh, the Chiefs kingdom give uh, the Chiefs team. So yeah, I'm with you there. Aggie, are we going full house? I don't think, well, I can't remember the last time we had a full house other than Chesterfield winning uh, the National League this season. So uh, who have you got winning that game in Germany? I'm going to be the other one out. I'm going to go with Kansas City to win that game. I saw a stat that in his entire NFL career, Patrick Mahomes has only ever gone back-to-back on defeats on three occasions. So I think after a defeat, and he'll be very frustrated with the performance that he put in. Obviously, he was ill last weekend. I think he'll yeah. be out there to, you know, there's not going to be many doubters, but he'll be out there to silence the doubters and, you know, get back to winning ways as the Chiefs do. So I think uh, Chiefs to win by a touchdown. Fair enough. Lads, that's episode 75. I'll see you next week for episode 76. Have a great week. And Aggie, week's warning, you've got a question to make. Bye. Goodbye. In a bit, lads.